Welcome to Books and Beyond with your hosts, Karen and Luisa. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a library, yeah. Kia ora, listeners. Kia ora, Karen. Kia ora, listen. You're looking quite bad boy today with that blue jeans jacket. Yes, with my collar turned up. Yeah. So, is um, there a reason for that? Well, there is, actually, Karen. You know, during our last show that we did about literary power couples, and when we were describing the romantic era power couple, the Shelleys, I thought that it was quite a pity that we couldn't talk more about their friend Byron um, with that famous description, mad, bad and dangerous to know. But um, he wasn't really part of a power couple. He was more of a womaniser, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, and do you think, would he be the romantic era's equivalent of a bad boy? Yes, it was, you took the words out of my mouth, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, he was flamboyant, um, that thing of swimming the Hellespont. Um, I don't know if everyone knows the Hellespont being the um, the straits between Greece and Turkey. Is that right? Turkey and Europe? Where's the Hellespont? <laughs> anyway, in Greece and Turkey area. Um, notorious, narcissistic, reckless, um, you know, that impetuously heading off to Greece to fight for Greek independence and um, a bit of touch of tragedy, um, dying young before even getting to fight um, on the hospital ship. And last but not least, extremely talented mm. so you know people i used to drive people crazy i used to go to greece in the summers when i lived in europe and every time we'd be sitting at the sunset over the ouzo <laughs> i would recite the isles of greece the isles of greece were burning sappho loved and sung that's so it, beautiful it's <laughs> so beautiful um he's so lyrical and so talented so i'm saying is talented bad boys attitude can we include that Oh, sorry, attitude, a tribute. <laughs> so Possibly I also an attitude. an attitude, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think it is because bad boys, I think they have a great belief in their own talent. So they have an attitude that they have the attribute uh, uh, yeah, of talent. Yeah, that's right. Um, and charm, of course, is the other thing. You know, Byron charmed people and then he walked over them. Well, I don't know actually about his peers and his fellow male poets, but definitely the women he had affairs with. So in our story of the Shelleys, it was poor Claire Claremont, who was with them on that famous Frankenstein summer, Mary Shelley's stepsister, who had fallen madly in love with him and was treated so badly by him. After having his child, he took the daughter away to Italy, put the little girl in a convent. Claire kept begging to so go visit him, her, and he would never let her. And then this little girl died of typhoid. Mm. Claire was off being a governess in Russia. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, so um, the mad, bad, and dangerous to know, we all love so much, that was actually said by another of his affairs which was um the fellow aristocrat lady carolyn lamb so when byron ended their relationship which was very visible in aristocratic circles um she at a society party she slit her wrist with a broken wine glass and byron recounted this as oh, lady caroline performed the dagger scene you know referring to lady Macbeth. Mm, what an awful horrible thing to say just yeah. seems so heartless to yeah me. oh definitely heartless but quite funny <laughs> she was i mean lady caroline was a bit over the top um it's actually postulated in that book young romantics the daisy hay book which i think i recommended when we did the power couples yeah. that um the line mad bad and dangerous to know could apply to caroline just as much as to byron she was a um 
troublesome child. Kind of an old-fashioned word, mm-hmm. isn't it? I like the word troublesome. In fact, I, I still use it. Yeah, quite a bit. it's much better than troubled, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, troublesome. Well, it's actually two really different things, isn't it? Maybe troubled is more internal, and troublesome is how you affect the others mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they should be used more carefully. There should be more careful distinction between the two. Um, and her family, so in response to her being troublesome, so in other words, affecting the other members of the family, her family gave her laudanum, which mm-hmm. was just, you know, opium when she was growing up. And um, she also had a special governess and i wonder what a special governess was yeah i don't know i'm kind of picturing a mrs danvers type with keys clanking on her belt um but anyway she so poor caroline she was only 42 when she died another of those romantics as the book is called young romantics they never lived to an old age um died from abuse of alcohol and laudanum um so Maybe, you know, we should have had, however, because I was reading up on her a bit uh, in preparation for Bad Boys, and I'm thinking maybe we should have had Byron and Caroline as a literary power couple because I didn't know this. After the end of the affair with Byron, she anonymously published a gothic, well, it wasn't very anonymous, Mm -hmm. everyone knew it was her, (laughs) Um, a gothic novel full of scathing caricatures of prominent society members, and she was blackballed from fashionable society, a la Truman Capote in New York and um, final candle on the cake the book was dismissed as pulp fiction oh an early yes. pulp fiction an early. Even before your lesbian pulp fiction yes. that we thought was so early but what a great example of literary revenge oh absolutely yeah so speaking of female bad boys um what about patty smith do you think she could be a bad boy hmm. i think so um she was certainly unorthodox um especially in her music uh being part of the new york punk scene now she was raised in um the 1950s in working class new jersey and um she was brought up a jehovah's witness which i didn't realize for the longest time but she rebelled and um she rejected organized religion and um conformity in general um as as you did probably at that time um and as she, some did as, oh i suppose there's some yes <laughs> that's the whole point why it was conforming <laughs> yeah that's isn't it yeah that's true <laughs> um so she moved to new york and lived in kind of poverty for a time now um she was the girlfriend of robert maplethorpe and lived with him in the famous chelsea hotel in the 1970s i bet that hotel could tell some stories mm. um and she called she described Maplethorpe as the artist of my life. And I think that's a really beautiful description. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, she's in her later years, she's become um, really adept at that very tender. Um, I think mm. a tenderness has come out. Um, I laughed. I had to laugh a little bit when you said lived in poverty. Mm. You did say kind of poverty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> lived in poverty. It was a bit Dickensian. I mean, she had a job um, at Strand Bookstore. I think it was, well, she had a number of bookstores. But anyway, I, I think the one that's in, in Just Kids is um, where she talks about the Strand Bookstore where she used to either dip into the cash register or did she let her friends buy books and only pretend to bring them up at the cash register or something like that. It was something like that, wasn't it? Um, and I think, was that the store where she met Robert Mablethorpe? Or was I, it a different store? There was that bonding over the beautiful Persian necklace um, that was where they recognized their spiritual kindred. 
Yeah, it's. Um, I think it was that story, and it's such a beautiful story. Um, I really love Just Kids, and it's hard to believe it's it's ten years since it was published. Yeah, I can kind of believe it because it's always had a sort of an out of time. You know, you could say to me twenty years, you could say to me five years, yeah. it'd be the same. I thought when I was reading it, I loved it too. I read it in like two nights. I think I stayed yeah. up all one night reading it. Um, that it's got that really kind of. Um, fable sort of touch to it it's a little bit magical it's a bit of a fairy tale isn't it yeah yeah i sometimes take it away on holiday with me to read i find it a really something yeah it is magical isn't yeah it? Do, and, does that to remind you of the important things in life or something I think so <laughs> yes um now and they have recently released the illustrated edition mm, i haven't seen well. it no i haven't yet so i'm really excited about seeing that yeah i think um i'm gonna say i think on reflection that Maplethorpe was the real bad boy. I mean, Patty definitely had the bad boy look. Yeah, she did. And that, there's that iconic, um, it's a, probably a terrible word, um, album cover um, of horses from the, the 70s. Photo that, by Robert Maplethorpe. Yes. Yeah. And that's the look I always associate with Yeah, her. Yeah, definitely a bad boy look. She definitely had the look. But I don't think she really had that recklessness. I think it was part of her performance. Um, you know, like there's a scene, where is it, where she talks about seeing Jim Morrison. Is it in Just Kids where she talks about seeing Jim Morrison perform? Or maybe it's in Eileen Miles' book about living in Chelsea, the hotel, Chelsea, mm. Chelsea Hotel, um, where she comes back away from seeing Jim Morrison and she talks about it would have been really disturbing to her, but it also made her, she doesn't use the word envious, but it's, you can see, you know, it's a quickening of the blood. She recognizes that power of the performance. And Eileen Miles does talk about her, um, not really a show off. Well, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, really um, liking people to be paying attention to her, really. And, um, and she... You know, in the but in her writing, and as she is now, she's so tender and devout, and um, you know, devout not to religion, as you said, but to the things she believed in. So, not the church, but to, for instance, to her poet idols, Rembo and Mayakovsky, yeah. um, who were definitely bad boys. Yes, um, and because Maplethorpe, the bad boy, he he was arrogant and and he displayed sort of ruthlessness i think didn't he and certainly traded on his very good looks and that's a bad boy thing isn't it absolutely i think all in all patty was more in love with bad boys than a bad boy herself what do you think i think that yeah i think you're right there's something so touching about her adoration of these literary bad boys it's like adolescent crushes Mm. and i always remember seeing this documentary i haven't gone through adolescent crushes Mm. myself Mm. on literary bad boys Mm. um but she but this is the thing about patty smith it's so amazing she held on to that even when she was 20 or 30 she was still talking about rambo you know, in that same... Yes, um, as if she was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she never she never rejected that teenage, complete devotion to something, you know. And I always remember this documentary where she goes to see the house of uh, Rambeau. Did you see that? No, I uh, didn't. And yeah. she's in this old country house in France, and she's, the camera's following her around, and she goes into the outhouse, and she says in this really hushed voice, this must be his urinal. Um, well, I'm not sure, so... <laughs> she doesn't actually say urinals. I recall, I was quite startled. She gives it a New Jersey pronunciation, I have to think. She calls it the urinal, I think. So, how do you say urinal? Well, it's not my specialist subject, but I <laughs> think I say urinal. Urinal? Well, see, I that's think. really interesting because yeah. a British Navy commander chatting with me in England, looking at some um, 
uh, council houses said to me they look like bloody urinals. So oh, perhaps right. that's the British. It must be my British. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, she. I can't think of her as a bad boy when you get hushed by seeing Rambo's urinal. Bad boys are never hushed. No, and um, rhymes with hush, they have crushes, but they only have crushes on themselves, yeah. really, don't they? <laughs> yeah, well said. It's, yeah, it's a really supernatural moment in the movie, and but I did have a better appreciation of it when I read Edmund White's biography of Rambo. So this is Rambo, The Double Life of a Rebel catch that yeah. um, where he talks about how Rambo used to hide out in the urinal to think in peace now um any the images i've seen of Rambo and that there's a famous photo i believe it's a photo i always think he looks like or he reminds me of david bowie Mm, no, it's most definitely a photo. There's a, a oil portrait as well. But oh, no, yes. Definitely a very famous photo. Um, so we're talking mid-19th century, so mm, <laughs> not mm. Byron period. Um, yeah, I I think, I don't, I never thought of that, but um, I remember Edmund White talking about the asymmetry. He was very um, appreciative of this asymmetrical mouth that Rambo had. And, of course, David Bowie has the asymmetrical eyes. I guess what made me not compare the two was that Bowie was always so perfectly turned out. Mm. And Rambo was quite sloppy and sulky. But, however, you know, when I said um, double life of a rebel, mm. uh, rebel, rebel rebel, rebel. So they were definitely both rebel rebels. You know, that line, you want more and you want, want it fast. fast. Yeah, that's right. Now, there was um, a, a shoplifted book of poetry by Rambo that... Um, Patty had in her possession for the longest time. I didn't remember that. Someone shoplifted it. I don't know who, but... (laughs) (laughs) There could have been many candidates for that, just as there were probably many people with a shoplifted book of poetry. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Possibly even myself. No, definitely Mm -hmm. didn't. I don't think I ever shoplifted books. Um, So Rambeau was uh, Robert Maplethorpe of his day. Mm. He was a very talented poet and became famous young. Uh, He was 19. He was very sensitive. He was on the make. He was one for fast living. He burned out while still young. Mm. And, you know, he was um, 30. It was before he was 30. He just disappeared off the map. Um, it's always amazing to think he wrote all of his poetry in five years. And then, of course, there's the sexual taboo that hovers around his poems. So France, later famous as the place where Oscar Wilde went to hide out in from sodomy charges. But, um, well, after having paid his dues to sign on the sodomy charges. But, um, you know, in that time in France, sodomy was crime there, too. And um, so I'm thinking Paul Verlaine, so this is the older established mm. poet who had the affair with um, Rimbaud, might have been Rimbaud's Sam Wagstaff. Ah. Except, of course, Sam Wagstaff wasn't married, so Robert Maplethorpe couldn't ruin his marriage the way Rimbaud ruined Verlaine's marriage. And because I think bad boys are often homewreckers, aren't they? Definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. And so Verlaine walked out on his marriage. He just had a child. His wife had just had a child. He walked out on his marriage and embarked on this mad affair, there's mad again, with Rambo, which lasted nearly two years um, to... Um, what would you say, strongly lived years. They hung out with the Paris literati and they traveled around Europe. And until at a certain point, a drunk Verlaine, 
or did you say drunken? A drunken Verlaine mm. sounds better. Mm. Shot Rambo in the hand. Oh, <laughs> that's a bad boy <laughs> With a pistol. pistol. Yeah. So Verlaine went to prison, and Rambo went back to his mother's house and wrote oh. his book of poetry, the book that made him famous, um, literarily famous, um, A Season in mm. Hell. The, um, it's really incredible to think. Yeah. So he, you know, wrote this book, and then for twenty years never wrote again except for letters. And when he died, he was only forty-seven. Mm. So I guess the French word for literary bad boy would be what they call Rambeau, so the poet Modi, which means the accursed poet. Um, so usually drunk, often vicious, whining about his misfortunes. Mm. That's the cursed part is always because oh, not okay. being recognized, insufficiently recognized for talent. That's the accursed part of being a poet Modi. And um, the only person who couldn't see his faults was Verlaine. And that's, um, you know, his, as um, Edmund White says, or a term that Edmund White would use, um, Verlaine was, you know, the beautiful boy. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of um, beauty and um, being really good looking and and, um, charismatic and narcissistic, I'm wondering about David Foster Wallace, or as his uh, fans call him, DFW, um, which, and DFW always reminds me of an airport in, in Texas, or a, a US president that comes from Texas as well, oh. or did come from <laughs> Very good point, because I was thinking DFW, I was thinking, is that Dulles, I was trying yes, to get it, I knew, so, Dallas. so it's Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah, yeah, yeah DFW. So DF, was DFW aware of that? Probably. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. Um, now, so DF, our DFW was um, good-looking, charming. Uh, he was a real all-American boy, um, champion sportsman. I think he was a football player, tennis champion. And he was the son of English teachers. Um, so I think he was probably destined to become a writer and an English professor. Yeah, I know about this. Um, his mother used to, his mother was the English teacher, and she used to um, cough ostentatiously when her kids made grammatical mistakes <laughs> and and then they had these family activities like replacing any mention of the word pie maybe this was like while you're driving in a car or something so replacing every mention of the word pie or it might have been during dinner probably would have been during dinner yeah um shades of our old friend jonathan saffron four so instead of saying pie you had to say 3.14159 so you'd have some apple 3.141519 yeah, exactly. for dessert exactly yes. i was trying to think of a word that has pie in it um it's quite hard so, you know like yes. to use it as a syllable i can't think yeah yes no, <laughs> so it'll come to it yeah it will probably later on well you know and maybe that's why because he really did have such an amazing command of language but i just was, thought of it sorry oh <laughs> talk about the 3.14159 piper oh yes love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that to our yeah. listeners too and i'm just drawing the um sim- the greek symbol right in the air at the moment um so yeah and so look he had a really amazing command of language but i think he knew it and he was pretty much trying to be well he knew he was witty and very cutting and scathing but he was someone to all outward appearances had had it all had everything going for him and yet he was troubled um, troubled, troubled. Yeah, Not I was just troublesome. Thinking, yes, well, oh, actually, both, both. Actually, because <laughs> he had um, he suffered from depression and anxiety and addiction, but he had misogyny by the bucket load. Actually, um, he was involved with the writer Mary Carr for a while, and um, it sounds as though he treated her horribly. 
there's um, stories that she tells where he assaulted her and threw her out of a moving car. Just awful. And she always felt that her concerns were never taken seriously because he was a privileged white man. Um, now, he does... DFW has quite a cult following. Is that a cult following above all among privileged white men? Probably. Privileged white young men. Yes, but probably. The question is always, you know, have they actually read Infinite Jest? Because it is famous as being the novel which is most purchased and not finished. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It, it's a very hard read. It's a difficult one. So I can see why people probably don't. They just pretend they've read it. Now, and We could do a show on what are the oh, books that people yes. pretend to have Pret- read. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> now, and as a teacher, see, this is awful. He had um, all sorts of really inappropriate relationships with his very young female students. But his fans or the apologists just say things like, um, oh, look, he was exploring the experience of living so that he could write about it. Mm, this but is I where, don't like it. Yeah, mm. it's where I'd use the famous phrase, well, they would, wouldn't they? Mm. Who mm. said that? I don't know. I'll have to something think else. I, I think it was it a queen or... Yes, <laughs> could have been. Or Prince Philip or someone. So a lot of women, myself included, well, really a lot of people now feel really quite guilty about enjoying his writing, although... Someone once famously asked Mary Carr for advice and this uh, woman said, how can anyone read his books now in good conscience, now that we know what we know about him? And she famously said, um, and I've got the quote here, oh, just read them. I still read loads of books by folks with deplorable acts in their bios. I've been emboldened to speak out about this by the bravery of my students and the Me Too and the Time's Up movements and also, DFW abused others and preyed on his students, and I didn't want them to have to hide anymore. So that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree with Mary Carr, So um, also because I'm a big fan of Mary Carr, mm. um, not an apologist for her, mm-hmm. so she wrote The Liars Club, which was maybe the first of that modern style of confessional, dysfunctional family memoir, which I love. It was the first that I read. Maybe it was the first in absolute, not just the one that I read, but anyway, one of the most famous. And I think my mother gave to me, which is odd because we did have people in our family who had trouble with the truth, but I'm not sure if that was the reason. But I already didn't like him before that came out, I'm going to say, and it really just confirms it for me, this story, because I always thought he seemed like a show-off. He was always trying to show how smart he was, and this was confirmed to me when I, okay, I was going to say read, I didn't actually read it, I read the New Yorker article which started it off, which was um, D.T. Max's biography of David Foster Wallace, DFW, sorry. Um, So he has this part about his terrible, he didn't want to show off, but he couldn't help not being a show off. And um, and I can't remember, so who said, I don't know if it was there, who was it who said that DFW was the one person who managed at the same time to be both a nerd and a dude? <laughs> yeah, that was, someone said that, didn't they? And because he was a jock as well as a nerd, yeah, which so is quite difficult. Nerd, jock, and dude. dude. Um, yeah, the bio was, just for the record, every love story is a ghost story. Oh, yes. Um, a Life of David Foster Wallace. So is that the title of one of his books, right? Yes, it is. And um, he had other sort of... It's a good title. Yes, he had some good titles, but he was sh- trying to show how clever he was. One that I liked, his essays, um, A Supposedly Fun Thing I'll Never Do Again, and um, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men. But I start, I'm thinking now that DFW was a hideous man. Oh, I hate yeah. to say it, but... 
Well, I'm going to just say I don't think he really fits the bad boy um, category. Just thinking of that term that I've seen used for him, you know, semi-ironic. So I don't think bad boys are semi-ironic. That's kind of more of a hipster Hip- thing, yeah. would you say? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, um, speaking of hipsters, or I don't know whether I am speaking of hipsters now, but... I've Mentioning just, hipsters. Mentioned. We didn't speak of them. We oh, mentioned, we mentioned them. Because <laughs> what about the beats? They, I mean, they would have been bad boys. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, so mad, bad, and dangerous to know. There's that famous mm. thing of Kerouac's, the only people for me are the mad ones. Um, how does it go? The, mad, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, um, desirous of everything at the same time. Um, there's something in there about also the ones who never yawn, which is, you know, <laughs> they did do an immense quantity of speed. Um, mm. I was quite surprised when I got old enough to understand that this was their writing was fueled so much, their mania was fueled so much by speed and how amazing how much they were able to do of it. Mm. But they had that recklessness, that bad judgment. Maybe it was necessary to survive the 50s. I mean, it was mad men in a different sort of yes, mad, the mad men time era, after all. wasn't it? Yeah, and because um, Cassidy self-destructed really doesn't didn't he um although it wasn't i guess it wasn't intentional yeah i mean they both did um drugs and alcohol took them down um so it's that goes back to that thing of you know um is an addiction that kills you and that you can't get free from is that called intentional or non-intentional i'd say non-intentional um but definitely was an intentional lifestyle when they picked it up so neil cassidy died Oh, I just always think this just haunts me. You know, stoned on Seacon along the railroad tracks in Mexico, mm. dressed only in a T-shirt on a cold, oh, T-shirt and pants on a cold night, no sweater. Just awful. No Kathmandu it? hoodie. No. Does Kathmandu have hoodies? Whatever they have. <laughs> <laughs> no puffer jacket. Yeah. And um, Jack Kerouac died from an esophageal hemorrhage, which mm. came on while he was enjoying a malt whiskey at 11 a.m. Yeah, um, it's a bit early. In Possibly, the, in yeah, the, in, the, in his life in his as well, life, in his life. So yeah. this was 1968 and 69, I think, were the years they died, uh, very close to each other. They were only in their 40s. It was the start of an era which would have been happy to see them as grand old men, who you know did refer to them as grand old men, but they never actually became the grand old men. But I suppose bad boys can't become old men. No, and bad boys never seem to, do they? Yeah, and it's like Sadly. William S. Burroughs, you know, when you were saying... Um, uh, you know, the beats were all bad boys. And I was thinking to myself, William Burroughs was actually not a bad boy because he was always an old man. Yes. You know, when he was young, he was like an old man. There's somebody you see him in the fedora and suit, you know? Yeah. Because um, now, the, the book I love, um, the Jack Kerouac On the Road, um, um, written about the, the late 50s, I think, wasn't it? And based on his travels with his friends around the USA. Yeah, well, especially Neil Cassidy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, so Saul Paradise is he himself narrating the book, and Dean Moriarty is um, the other character. And they did have a strongly homoerotic friendship, and it's, it's beautifully expressed in the book. I, I also liked um, Dharma Bums, and oh, I yes. really like Big Sur. Me Big too. Sur is really yes. great. Yeah. Do you think with um, on the road, that's why there, he had a bit of trouble getting it published um, at first because of the suggestion of homosexuality. 
Uh, there was some resistance from uh, I, I don't think so. I kind of have a feeling that um, if your mind was that closed, homosexuality, you weren't going to pick it up. It was like those things oh. we've talked about this, you know, about the close friendship and everybody oh, nowadays is going, did it, Did they not wonder? You yes. Know, that, um, or the confirmed bachelor. Yes, exactly. Exactly, the yeah. confirmed bachelor. Um, I think it was more just this new way of writing, you know, it was the run-on and the lack of grammar and the, um, the, the lack of... Um, of a style, a recognizable style that fit into the canon of literature. But, you know, when it did get published, it immediately took off. Another yeah. very much sign of bad boys, isn't it, is that sort of comet rise, you know? Yes. Um, I keep thinking of Neil Young songs, but, you know, you rise quickly and then burn out. Mm, what's the Perhaps. Neil Young song? Yes. Is there a Neil Young song about yes. rising and yes. burning yes. out? <laughs> Sing it. Yes. Oh, I, I would like to. Maybe next time. Yes. Um, well, what's the song? It's better to burn out oh. than to... What? It's an anthem for it's bad an anthem. boys. Yes, I can't remember what I'm talking about. But Maybe it is. our engineer Richard knows the song. <laughs> Do you know the Neil? Oh, better to burn out than to fade away. Thumbs yes, up to thumbs Richard. Up. Thanks, Richard. Well, a I'm bit a, of a bad boy himself. Yes. Oh, definitely. And um, do you know I love that um, that quote? Um, and nobody, nobody knows what's going to happen to anybody besides the forlorn rags of growing old. I think of Dean Moriarty. I even think of old Dean Moriarty, the father we never found. I think of Dean Moriarty. That's beautiful. Those isn't are it? the beautiful final words of On the Road. That's yes. the very ending. Yeah. Yes. So lovely. Very moving. And guess what, Alison? So I'm looking at the clock. We are nearly, nearly, at, the nearly end. at the end of So our... for the future, we'll be doing Lovable Rogues. What, where are they? Yes. <laughs> and we're going to do Bad Girls. Too, and how we? about Badass Writers? Oh, yes. We want to do yeah. Yes. And don't forget, everyone, that on Mondays on the Auckland Library's blog, there's always a recap of the books that we've mentioned in the show. If, you, if we spoke so quickly and so charmingly that you forgot to note it down. <laughs> You'll see our show notes. Yep. So. On that note, Haidera. Haidera, Kakiteano. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and Catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day I write the